More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody. Monday edition of Play and Buck starts right now. And, of course, a lot of big news to dive into today with all of you. We've got the New Hampshire GOP primary, which is imminent. Tomorrow, the votes will be cast. The first in the nation primary, the Granite State. New Hampshire getting a whole lot of love and attention from the rest of the country here. Uh, we'll discuss what's going on there, the latest polls, how it's all looking. A big component of that story came in over the weekend. It is that Donald Trump has uh, called Ron DeSantis a terrific person after Ron DeSantis said that he is suspending his presidential campaign. So it is over for DeSantis 2024. Um, Clay and I will give you our assessment of this one. There's some discussion as to whether DeSantis would even be in the Trump administration, possibly. Nikki Haley is uh, getting some rough stuff from Trump world right now because she is the only contender left in the mix. So Donald Trump had some words about Nikki Haley over the weekend, also spoke to whether she may be in the uh, Trump administration if Trump does, in fact, end up winning. Some updates on the Fonnie Willis case, uh, the situation with her uh, paramour. Basically, the whole thing is falling apart legally, and it looks like Trump may have beaten one of the felony indictments against him without ever having to set foot in a courtroom. I don't think that's the last time that's going to happen. Uh, and then something coming out of New York and the How Many Stops Act, the New York City Council It's as though they want more crime in NYC. Democrats are like, how could we make more crime? Well, if we have time, we'll get to that one later on. But Clay, a lot in the world of politics. Can I just start with, um, with two things for you, right? Let, let's get into the latest polling that I see here is, oh, well, actually this one still has DeSantis technically in the mix. So I don't know if there's been a poll yet of Trump v. Haley 1v1 effectively. Um, but 
Trump was at 50%. Haley was at 34. DeSantis 11 over the weekend. So Trump way out ahead. What do you think as we're going to New Hampshire tomorrow about the final uh, stand, if you will, of Nikki Haley and also of Ron DeSantis stepping down? I think let's start reverse there. And, I, and by the way, I'd love to hear from our audience. We only have one guest. J.D. Vance is going to join us top of the next hour. Uh, but I'd love to hear from DeSantis supporters, 800-282-2882, now that Ron DeSantis has dropped out and endorsed Donald Trump. And, Buck, this is what you and I said had to happen after DeSantis lost by 30. It was over, and it didn't make any sense once he decided, well, I'm not going to compete in New Hampshire. And you said, well, you're going to lose in New Hampshire and post a single-digit score and then somehow you're going to come back and beat Nikki Haley in a month and come in second in South Carolina, and then the math just didn't add up. And I give credit to DeSantis and his team. They worked as hard as they possibly could, and there will be, given the amount of money spent and given the amount of uh, uh, material and, and, and resources and everything else, it's going to be a lot written about it. I think the, the, the biggest takeaway is once Trump was charged in March and all of those additional charges came, I don't think anybody could have beaten Trump. And we've talked about it on this show that that is the the Democrat plan, that they want to try to weaken Trump and they want to run against him. That is what they want. Even if you are a dyed-in-the-wool Trump supporter, you need to understand what the strategy is of the other side. Now, they can be wrong, and we'll figure that out over the next 10 months, whether they were or were not wrong uh, in wanting Trump. They wanted him in 16 and lost. We'll see. But I think DeSantis made the only decision that was the right one. I don't think he's going to be hurt in 2028. If I were giving him advice now, I would say be a killer, incredible, phenomenal governor. You live in Florida. I spend a lot of time there. Uh, I think Florida's got as good or better uh, of a governor than anybody. I think DeSantis was right on COVID. We should talk about that some. Uh, But I think the choice was the right one. I think it was the only one. And I don't think somehow DeSantis is, is harmed in a significant way if he wants to run again in 28. Look, I think that he will uh, put himself fully behind the Trump 2024 effort. We can say that now, right? He's out, everybody. So we're not we're not jumping the gun here. We're not getting ahead of things. I think he's going to um, take the Ted Cruz path, if you will, of, okay, we fought hard in the primary, but now we are going to be allies because that's what's best for the uh, Republican Party, what's best for the country more a lot of this. You know, instead of saying I think Trump is better than Ron DeSantis, there were some people on the right who always took the tact of, uh, or took the tack of, um, Ron DeSantis wasn't good on COVID or Ron DeSantis isn't a good governor or Ron DeSantis. I, I mean, none of that was true. I mean, the GOP has chosen, chosen Trump. So he is the choice of the Republican party. There's no question about that, but you don't have to, you know, Silver, the silver medalist in the Olympics isn't a loser. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You, you don't have to think Ron DeSantis is a chump just because he can't beat Donald Trump, who's a once in a generation, maybe a once in a lifetime political phenomenon. And Trump, I thought this was a, he said a few things, but this was a moment last night, um, where he says the nickname, this is cut two, the nickname DeSanctimonious officially retired. You just said, will I be using the name Ron DeSanctimonious? I said, that name is officially retired. <laughs> and I think that also goes to people who are, I'm just going to say, people who are running around online, whether they're influencers or just other folks saying, there's no room on the Trump train for anyone who wasn't. That's just not true. Uh, Trump is 
Trump is the conductor, and he is saying, get on this train, let's win this election. So anyone who's saying Trump doesn't want them, that's not true. Also, you can't win without more people on the train. So the, the stupidity of, look, I think Ron DeSantis, uh, if Trump didn't run, I think Ron DeSantis would have been the nominee. I think he would have been beaten Nikki Haley. I think most people who are voting for Trump in Iowa, if you ask them who was your second choice, I think they overwhelmingly would have said Ron DeSantis. And I think that's why there was so much toxicity between Trump and Ron DeSantis supporters online and still is on social media because everybody got their feelings all up and they end up arguing back and forth. And and uh, social media is often a very emotional medium, period. It's a reactive. Uh, that's why it's po- powerful. Emotion drives uh, much of the tweets or X's or whatever you want to call it. So I, I think DeSantis should be. We'll see who Trump picks as vice president. To your point, we had that conversation, I think, on Thursday or Friday. If Trump were to win and his vice president were to acquit him or herself well, then that person might have a leg up. But I think there's going to be 20 or 25 people running uh, for the Republican nomination in 2028. A lot of people have set it out. Uh, you know, For instance, Ted Cruz, assuming he wins his primary in 2024, I'd be shocked. I mean, sorry, wins his uh, wins his Senate reelection. I'd be shocked if he's not running in 28. We could run through Tim Scott's going to run. Like we could run through Nikki Haley's going to run. Everybody who was in the mix in 24 and a lot of 16s, I think, will all come back. Plus that generation that's been waiting, uh, the Josh Hawleys of the world. All those people are going to run too. So there was also I mentioned Trump uh, Trump retiring the dissentimonious nickname. Which I'm just going to say, I never thought was irrespective of anyone's feelings on Ron DeSantis. Trump, some of his nicknames were amazing. Like when he called Jeb low energy, that was the end of the Jeb campaign. Um, you know, there, there have been some times where he re- crooked Hillary was perfect. Um, but here he is saying, uh, this is Trump congratulating Ron DeSantis, um, for drop, you know, for making the right move effectively. This is cut four and dropping out. Let's hear what Trump had to say. Before we begin, I'd like to take time to congratulate Ron DeSantis, and, of course, a really terrific person who had gotten to know his wife, Casey, for having run a great campaign for president. He did. He ran a a really good campaign, I will tell you. It's not easy. They think it's easy doing this stuff, right? It's not easy. But as you know, he left the campaign trail today at 3 p.m., and in so doing, he was very gracious, and he endorsed me, so I appreciate it. I appreciate that, and I also look forward to working with Ron and everybody else to defeat Crooked Joe Biden. You know, Clay, um, magnanimous Trump, that's the way that, that's the way to win the 2024 election. And I think it's worth noting that he, he really, he, he made a, a point there of saying that Ron DeSantis is a good guy and he's, you know, he's effectively back on the team now. And, you know, is it the, uh, I believe is uh, the, the Marines, it said that there's no better friend, no worse enemy, right? Isn't that one of the, I think it's, I got, if it's the army, I apologize. I think it's the Marines. Um, that should be Trump's political vibe. No better friend, no worse enemy, right? I mean, all focused on defeating the opposition, but bringing together people on our side and, uh, and doing what's necessary to defeat the Democrats in the fall. Yeah. And I think you asked also about Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. Everybody should go vote. I'm going to keep saying everybody should go vote for the next 10 months. So when I give you an opinion, it doesn't mean if you hear this opinion and you agree with it, well, then, oh, I don't need to go vote. Voice it like the same thing I said for Iowa in the same way that 
first people in Iowa got to have such an important statement, and basically you guys delivered for Trump to such an extent that Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy both dropped out. I think that New Hampshire should go deliver their vote as well. And I believe when that happens, Nikki Haley is going to lose probably by double digits in New Hampshire in a basically a one-on-one matchup. And when that happens, I think Nikki Haley should also drop out and endorse Donald Trump. And this thing, you and I would have said, if you had asked me in this time last year, in 2023, hey, what do you expect for the Republican primary race to look like? I think both of us would have said, man, we think it's going to go well into March, knock down, drag out. It'll be a, a, you know, DeSantis versus Trump and other people will get involved. As soon as the indictments happened, Trump took off and he hasn't looked back. And Nikki Haley has no hope of beating him. So, uh, she, she will lose in her home state of, uh, of South Carolina in a month. And I think she's going to lose in New Hampshire tomorrow. All of you should go vote. I understand some of you are diehard, uh, Nikki Haley supporters. I also understand some of you listening right now don't like Donald Trump. My my question to you is, do you like Joe Biden? Because you don't get to throw fits and insist on the perfect candidate. So to me, it is a binary. And I understand some of you will go vote third party. There's no math equation that I have seen at all that suggests that any third party can win at all. So I would suggest that you are basically in a binary. It's going to be Trump or it's going to be Biden based on right now. Now, I still think, and we've got some polling numbers, and I'll share those with you, Buck. I still think there's the ripcord, break the glass moment that's going to happen with Joe Biden. I just think these numbers keep getting worse. I think when Trump is officially in, his numbers are going to get even better because I think a lot of the DeSantis people, I think a lot of the Nikki Haley people are going to come back to that binary. Um, and I just don't think that Biden is motivating people at all. And we'll talk about that. we got 10 months to figure it out. But there's a Harvard-Harris poll out right now that the more third-party candidates there are, what do you think? The more it helps Trump, by and large. And so I, I expect for there to be a Liz Cheney Hail Mary or Chris Christie Hail Mary. Maybe they'll try to get one of those guys or gals on a third-party ticket. But I think you really just have a binary choice now. If you think Joe Biden has done a good job, you should go vote for Joe Biden. And by the way, that's you're right. I think Joe Biden's the worst president in any of our lives. Some of you may disagree. And if I have a choice between voting for the worst president in any of our lives or the guy who's not the worst president in any of our lives, regardless of who it is, I'm going to vote for the guy who's not the worst president in my life. I think that's an easy choice. Um, I think over the next 10 months, many of you will come to that same conclusion, even if right now your feelings are hurt and your pride is wounded because you were a big DeSantis supporter and DeSantis got... You know, a, a Look, tsunami. It's, it's a okay tsunami. to be disappointed. If I had watched the Chiefs playing a football game over the weekend, I would either be happy or disappointed based on the outcome, but I have absolutely no idea. So, <laughs> well, you know what we had, Buck? We won again. Another, uh, we won three out of four of the, uh, of the picks that I gave you for prize picks. Uh, let me review, let me go review exactly what that was. Uh, we, George Kittle went over on receiving yards. Baker Mayfield over on passing yards. Mike Evans over on receiving yards. I believe you two plus, I think it's two and a half times your money if you put down, uh, the picks on those guys. Christian Watson did not go over on receiving yards. Packers, a wide receiver. But Buck, we 10x'd on the first, uh, on the first, uh, uh, prize picks, uh, offer that I gave out to you. 
Now we have over doubled three out of four. So seven out of eight of my picks so far have hit with prize picks. And I hope that many of you have gone out and signed up at prizepicks.com. Oh, I, I smoked it. I smoked yeah, you, it. Look at this. I, uh, Mr. Baker Mayfield and Mr. George Kittle, your picks yes. on these things. I may, I, I made great picks. Yay. I'm in the you green. Won. You won. Your, your, uh, the tallies hit the more, uh, category there and you won. So you have now won two straight weeks. I will give everybody out there Friday, I will give you picks. The AFC and the NFC championship games are set. Congratulations, everybody in Detroit, uh, Lions fans in the NFC championship game have won two playoff games. Amazing. Uh, 49ers are there. You got the Chiefs and you got the Ravens. Uh, I will give you more picks on Friday. We'll see if we can make it three straight weeks of wins. But what you need to do is go sign up. Uh, you can select two or more players and you can turn $10 into $1,000. They will match whatever deposit you put down up to $100 with free play dollars. So you put in $100, you get an extra $100. Just go sign up right now. You're going to like it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you can join prize picks and they'll match your first deposit up to $100. You go get signed up right now. Use my code Clay for first deposit bonus. Clay, prizepicks.com slash Clay. If you want to go out right now and sign up, lots of you doing this, prizepicks.com slash Clay. Stay on top of election news with 24 from Clay and Buck, a weekly podcast you can find on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. It would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We mentioned, of course, DeSantis dropping out of the race yesterday, made a statement, posted it on Twitter. Here is a cut of that statement, cut five. I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology, are over. So that was DeSantis's announcement. Buck, would you be stunned beyond belief if Ron DeSantis is not announcing for president sometime in 2027? Oh, yeah, he's going to announce. Yeah. He's going to announce. Because I, I think that people will, there'll be a lot of that will happen between now and then um, that will affect, people talk about his brand and brand damage and all this stuff. Ultimately, the most important thing that he has in his rec- in, for his brand is his record. And as a governor, it's a record of extraordinary achievement. And people run bad campaigns or unsuccessful campaigns and still become president. Joe Biden ran three times, everybody. So Ron DeSantis is a lot sm- smarter than Joe Biden. No doubt. Podcast listeners, history aficionados, there's a podcast you're going to want to add to your short list you're listening to, in addition, of course, to this one. It's called Our American Stories, a podcast series. Tells great stories of Americans doing the hard work of inventing, innovative, caring for one another, making our world a better place. Every episode shares three or four stories of Americans building our nation by their own individual contributions. Some of them well-known, Henry Ford, Harriet Tubman, others private citizens that just did the right thing when it was needed the most. The reviews are positive, the stories are uplifting, and will make you proud to be an American one additional way find our american stories wherever you get your podcast that's our american stories the podcast series wherever you listen to podcasts again it is fantastic and you should check it out for sure it's called our american stories and it's just great stories of americans doing the hard work of inventing innovative caring for one another making the world a better place check it out today Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. He is not presidential timber. Now, when I say that, that probably means that she's not going to be chosen as the vice president. You know, you can go. No, you can go. You can go and you can say certain things. You know, I don't like them. And, and this. But when you say certain things. 
It sort of takes some out of play, right? I can't say she's not of the timber to be if I and then say, ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to announce that I picked. Do you understand? But that's the way it is, okay? Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Nikki Haley probably not gonna be Trump's vice president. That's what he's saying. Now welcome back everybody, Clay and Buck. Clay, I gotta say, uh he sort of look Trump loves this. I'll just uh, when he knows everyone wants an answer from him. He, and he, I really mean this. He enjoys, they're like, we're looking at that. Maybe we're going to do it, you know, probably thinking about it. Some people are saying he got, you know, he likes to keep people on edge. It's, it's the showman component of him where when you want a definitive answer, he'll give you something pretty close, but he won't give you something that you can say for sure. It seemed pretty definitive to me here that he's not going to be picking Nikki Haley as his vice president, but he didn't totally close the door. Um, and I think we should get into now a little bit of, well, one, I, I want your take on that, but also the Nikki Haley play here. Is it just what I thought, which is she, she thought she could maybe win in New Hampshire and, and get that notch on the belt, so to speak. She's not going to win New Hampshire. So now what? She's done. And I, I think in a similar way that Ron DeSantis decided, look, I'm not going to win. Let me step down and preserve my ability to run again in 2028. The only thing that, the only reason I could see why Nikki Haley could stay in, and, and by the way, it's, now that it's 1v1, it's going to become increasingly nasty. And the DeSantis people were right about this. Because they said, look, if you give money to Nikki Haley, if you're some of these big money donors and you're like, I'm going to get on board with Nikki Haley, she's not going to attack Trump. She's going to attack DeSantis. And she spent like $25 million or whatever the heck it was trying to tear down DeSantis so she could be the number two option. And now she's going to have to go back to him and ask for a lot more money, and the votes aren't there, it doesn't seem to me, for her to be able to be the nominee. So then what do you do? You could go scorched earth, basically say Trump's the wrong choice, and if he ends up losing in 28 then or 24, then you come back in 28 and you say, I told you I would have beaten Biden. You guys made the right choice. Now you have the time to rectify that choice. But if you go scorched earth on Trump, are people really going to be forgive and forget for Nikki Haley if she runs in 28? I think, I mean, there are a lot of Trump people out there listening right now. You may not like Nikki Haley, but after Tuesday, if she loses in New Hampshire and ends her campaign and endorses Trump, I do think a lot of that's papered over. And remember, Buck, nobody has said anything near as nasty as what Kamala Harris said about Joe Biden. And then Joe Biden ended up picking her as his nominee after she said that Joe Biden was basically a racist, not even basically, was a racist, and forced her to ride on a school bus back when she was a little girl going to school in California. So Joe Biden was willing and able to overlook that, which is nastier, I think, than anything that's been said about Trump by anybody that ran against him in 24 so far. Um, and Trump said all sorts of awful things, particularly about Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz's family and Ted Cruz's wife. And, uh, and look, I, I just think that all is where all is fair in love, war, politics. And I tend to think that as soon as you get on the Trump train, as we've already seen with Ron DeSantis, that Nikki Haley would be re- rehabilitated in some way. And maybe she ends up Secretary of State, right? Which is still, you know, in the Trump campaign. It's not VP, but it's it's not a, uh insubstantial job. I think uh, Rick Grinnell would have something to say about that. But um tell me this. 
Is it 100% in your mind that she will not be the VP? 100%. No. No, because Trump, look, I, I think that it's interesting for you, too. What's the time frame of Trump announcing a VP? He's a showman. I would suggest that once you lock up the Republican nomination, I would say, what do you think, hold it till April yeah. or May, like tease it out, basically have almost an apprentice-style sweepstakes I, from people competing for it? I also think... Um, I mean, I believe our, our friend, uh, Glenn Beck just said recently that he thinks it should be Vivek, um, which is interesting because go back, what, seven or eight months, I was like, Vivek is running to be Trump's VP. I mean, at the beginning of his campaign, that's what I was saying. Um, and, it, and so it wouldn't be a surprise at all, but I do think that there's a strong case. I, I don't, it's whether Trump wins or not is going to be based in, on Trump, right? He's not yeah. going to make some very tactical, granular decision we've talked about this he's not going to have camp in georgia or uh or you know some figure in nevada or arizona that he's going to make as vp it might have been carrie lake but she's running for senate so that's not going to fly um he's going to pick i mean he's going to pick somebody one that he just likes because he's trump and that's what he does but two i do think there's a strong case for bringing up the next generation of conservative political leadership whether that's, uh, we have JD Vance on in the next hour, for example, JD Vance, Senator from Ohio, uh, Vivek. There are a number of people who would be, we've talked about Tucker. I've heard again from people and, and from Tucker that, you know, he likes doing what he's doing and he's not going to be VP, which is exactly what Tucker would say I, if he was going to be I the VP. I will just say, I uh, think there is a desperate craving out there in America right now for people who aren't politicians to be politicians. Because I, I just, I mean, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or an independent, you know, you see some of this math now, Buck. 40% of people say they're independents in some of the polling that's being done. You know, 27% Republican, 27% uh, uh, affiliated with the Democrat Party. And then there's just, I think, a lot of people who are just very frustrated in general, which I think speaks to the rise of third parties, where it would not shock me if 15 or 20% of the electorate ends up voting for a third party, whether it's RFK Jr., Libertarian, Green Party, um, I think we're going to see a 1992-style vote turnout for third-party candidates. Here's a question for you that we haven't gotten into before. We both agree, and I think everyone in the audience already knows and agrees, Nikki Haley is not going to be president. However, you know, people have also been talking about, people are saying they've been talking about how Vivek ran this upstart campaign, and show, so he should be judged based on how well he did relative to his political name recognition, all the rest of it. Now, I know Nikki Haley has pretty high name recognition, but did she, for where she is, run an exceptionally strong campaign? Would you have to say that? Like, we weren't, I don't think anybody assumed Nikki Haley was going to be the last person standing other than Trump in this whole thing. Yeah. So how how do you assess her? There's so much post-mortem of the DeSantis campaign. I'm just wondering, what do you think about the Haley campaign? It's still going, but it's on life support. Look, I mean, I would say that all three of the final three candidates, um, Vivek, if you had said, Buck, when Vivek announced, nobody, uh, as, as a percentage of this audience that knew him well, very tiny, right? Name recognition was very low. If you had said he was going to finish up fourth overall, I think that would have been a big success for him. If you had said that Nikki Haley was going to finish second overall, I think her team would have been like, that's going to be a hell of a campaign. I think the DeSantis team saying, you finished third, I think relative to expectations, they would have said, that's a failed campaign. 
But I think it also speaks to the expectations because I really think DeSantis was the only non-Trump candidate who entered the race believing it's either he could win actually or win. we failed. Yeah. I, I think Nikki Haley, if we're just being objective political analysts here, I think she outperformed expectations with her campaign. She's about to get absolutely crushed, and the campaign is only going to last for a few more days, maybe a few more weeks. But I think, it, to be fair, Ron ended up having – what was? do you remember what was the number in Iowa? I don't even remember 21%, now. I think. I was percent. Yeah. I think Ron DeSantis' 20% was, you know, almost entirely a function of people who appreciated and respected and wanted more of what he put on the scoreboard in the state of Florida, where I now live, almost none of it was his campaign. Like, I think he bought that 20%, so to speak, with the wins in Florida, and that's why it never got beyond that, because it didn't grow to something bigger than look at what a, he's a kick-ass governor. He just is. If you're a conservative, you got to love him as a governor, but it didn't expand beyond that. I think we should talk about this in the second hour, maybe a little bit, too. I think what that reflects is there's about 25 percent of the American public that they want that they believe there should be major consequences for covid failures. You and I are in that camp. A lot of you out there listening to us are in that camp. Some of you found us because of the way that we responded to covid. I think 50% of Americans are embarrassed by how they went along with COVID and now recognize that we got it all wrong, but they don't want to stare themselves in the mirror and actually have to acknowledge it. And then I think there's 25% of leftists that are still out there uh, deciding that they are going to advocate as if they were right on COVID all along, even though they got everything wrong. And I think what you're recognizing is nobody's going to have any consequences. And that's frustrating to me, it's frustrating to you, and I know it's frustrating to a lot of you out there, but if you want to win in 24, what happened with COVID is not going to be a way that leads you to victory. And I think that's one thing that the DeSantis team found out. He got everything right on COVID, and when it came to running for national election, the Republican primary electorate was saying, we don't really care. And I think that's unfortunate, but that's where we are. Because I, I think that COVID was the ultimate stress test of any politician, I think that you really see, you know, it was the, um, it was the, you know, invasion by foreign forces, 4 a.m. phone call. What do you do? I mean, it was where leadership was truly tested and so many failed. And yeah. I know, and, and I was, was, was annoyed by this. Um, people would say, Oh, well, Ron shut down the beaches too, or Ron did this or that. And I would say, we, we all understand, right? That it has to be graded on a scale of, well, what were you doing in May of 2020? Yes. And, and June of 2020 and July of 2020, you know, pointing to one month out of a three year arc is pretty disingenuous. So, uh, Ron was the best uh, governor in the country on, on COVID, uh, by far. Um, and people, you know, I could, I'm happy to have that discussion if folks want to, but I, I'm with you, Clay. And so far as, uh, I don't think people care. They don't. So, I, I care a lot still. I'm still, uh, I'm openly hostile toward mask mandates and people saying, maybe just wear the mask when you're in the hospital. No, 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 but people don't care. So we'll talk economy. We'll talk crime. We'll talk border. Things that people do care a whole heck of a lot about right now. We'll get into that because, you know, our world is full of surprises. And with that, there's a lot of unpredictability. So our major world events going to influence the value of the U.S. dollar. Some people who study news events and how it correlates to the economy think so. One of them is Tika Tawari. He's a former Wall Street insider 
He's now a columnist, editor, and a keen observer of global economic trends. And he believes that what he's discovered could trigger a financial crisis in our future in spite of current Wall Street rallies. Tika has posted a video that you can find online online and watch on your own time on demand. Video's free, by the way. Tika wants to show you three steps that you might want to really consider taking to be prepared if the financial crisis that he believes is coming hits us. Go to MoveYourCashNow.com to watch this video. That's MoveYourCashNow.com and learn how to prepare. Paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. 24, a weekly podcast from Clay and Buck covering all things election. Episodes drop Sundays at noon Eastern. Find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We asked uh, former DeSantis supporters. You can still be a DeSantis supporter, but now that DeSantis has decided that he is not going to be continuing in the primary, what is your reaction? How would you potentially vote going forward? Uh, Susan, uh, we'll start with you. Lakewood, California, what you got for it? Hi, um, I was a DeSantis supporter before he even declared that he was running, and I especially like that he doesn't go around insulting people, but I felt like the conservative media pushed Trump so much nobody had a chance, and then declaring that the election's over after Iowa just takes our vote away. But you still have the right to vote for whoever you want. I mean, DeSantis has dropped out. You I think do. on this show that we we pushed we pushed Trump too hard? Uh, you a little bit, not so much, um, but until the polls started really showing him as winning. But there's some outlets that have been full blast. I can't even listen to them anymore because they're so Trump, 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 Trump. Look, we, we tried to do. Thank you for the call, Susan. Um, we try to reflect well, we reality to, to the greatest degree possible. We're just trying to tell people what we see as as true. And I can tell you that we were inundated uh, for the last, I don't know, nine months or so or something like that. I'm trying to think of what the math would be on it with people who are either upset at us for being too pro-DeSantis or upset at us for being too pro-Trump. So, yeah. you know, depending on the day, it was one or the other. And, and you know, we we uh, abided by the rush rule. We didn't endorse anybody. Um, I, I think we try to play it as straight as we can. I mean, Clay said, just to be clear, in July, he's like, look, I see where the trend is going. And I, I said, okay, well, hold on. Maybe there's a chance, there's a possibility. Well, what Clay said was right, and there wasn't really a chance or possibility. And that's been clear really for at least three or four months now. I mean, maybe longer. Look, when DeSantis announced in May, he had to. That's why I said by, I think it was July 17th. He had to surge. Date. It had to be going yes, in the right and direction. it didn't happen. It was always going in the wrong direction. Look, I remember when I said, I didn't, remember this, this got me a lot of heat. I said, I don't know anyone personally who was a uh, Trump supporter before the DeSantis camp in the primary, in the primary, before the DeSantis campaign announced, who said, you know what? I'm not voting for Trump in this primary anymore. I'm going to vote for DeSantis in this primary, meaning there was a switch after the DeSantis announcement. Rage from all the DeSantis people online about this. They said, that's what the polling shows us beyond any doubt. There was no movement. In fact, the only movement was toward Trump. DeSantis's numbers did nothing but go down from the announcement date. So the numbers that are the basically numbers. lets you know that it was baked and over because I think DeSantis, somebody can go back and look at the real clear politics polling average, but I think DeSantis was down 20 when he announced in May, like Trump had opened mm-hmm. up a pretty big lead. And, and, you know, I think DeSantis is great. I moved to Florida in no small part because of the amazing policies that he was instituting here and because of what he did during COVID. But the reality is the reality. The facts are facts. The data is the data. And, you know, now it's Trump versus Haley. That's it, right? I mean, there's nothing else to say about it. And I, I think that's over, too. Mark in Kentucky. What you got for us, Mark? Previous Florida resident, native Florida. So, anyways, I'll tell you this. All my friends, as well as myself, we're sort of glad DeSantis found out. Uh, he's just going to hurt himself. Um... Don't fight this battle. Just come back to it in four more years. You run a great state. Rack up some more victories in the state of Florida. 
No, look, I, I appreciate yeah. the call. I think that's likely what we're going to see. I think everybody's going to throw their hat in in 2027, regardless of what happens in the 2024 election. And that campaign season is going to start in earnest as soon as the midterms in 2026 are complete, because there's going to be no incumbent. Yeah. Look, if if Trump wins uh, election, which will feel like a re-election win for a lot of people, if he were to win in 2024, then clearly GOP made the right choice in this cycle, and Maybe Ron decides to get in the future. If Trump loses to Biden, there'll be a lot of people who say, well, we just made the wrong choice this year. Maybe we should look at that DeSantis guy again. So we'll see. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.